Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Battle of the Atom. This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I am Zach. And Adam, welcome to die. Oh no! <laughs> welcome to my Dr. Evil volcano lair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Guys, we're talking about Magneto. Have you heard of him? He's a, he's a magnet man. Yeah, best Marvel villain, best villain of all time. What, what's yes, your opinion on that? Best villain of all oh, time? Yes, easily. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Magneto, and we're going to get into this in the episode. And this is a controversial take, but I think a reasonable one. Magneto's a really good antagonist. He yes. is <laughs> such a good antagonist. What Magneto does best, he can be the villain where you agree with him 99% of the way and you get it and you feel for him and you want him to win but he takes it just too far he crosses <laughs> the lines where you can't and it's it makes him such a compelling such a interesting villain oh I love Magneto I love Magneto I, I will Adam, say do you though, love Magneto I love Magneto um you know, he and Dr. Doom are kind of neck and neck for like ultimate supervillain of all time. Uh, but um, th this is going to be an interesting episode because I think we're going to track him from some of the more silver agey components of his character into someone that is much more nuanced. So where are we starting today? Well, we're going to start with something that came to us from the lovely folks over on patreon.com slash Xavier files. Folks like Rob. R-O-B, all caps. I assume it's like Cher or uh, Madonna or who's that other one? Da Vinci? No, he had a first name. Um, uh, but definitely not the Rob. We're sure this is not the Rob. I'm 99% sure this is not the Rob. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you are the Rob and the Rob, you are listening to this podcast. And frankly, you are not mad at us calling you the Rob. Uh, please hit me up on Twitter. You might have to unblock me first, but I would love, love, love to have you on the show. That would be, that's not up in my top dream guests ever. Cause I've got a weird top two dream guests for this show, but it'd be up there. Oh, I'd, I'd love to talk to the Rob and I bet the Rob would really like this story as I'm sure Rob does. And I, I really like this story too. Yeah, this is X-Men, the uncanny X-Men, the all-new, all-different X-Men, the now-on-sale monthly X-Men, as <laughs> two of the issues proudly proclaim, this is 111 through 113 in a tale we could only call Magneto Triumphant. Yeah, this is Adam, great. Yeah. Do you know who writes this story? I believe it's the one and only Chris Claremont. It is the one and only Chris Claremont. And do you know who draws this story? I believe it is the uh, recently well-maligned, uh, for good reason, John Byrne. <laughs> it is John Byrne, and it is Chris Claremont. <laughs> and whatever that means in the year of our Lord 2018, 40 years ago, that meant this is good comics. This is real good X-Men. But this is... This is still like, really good comics. It what? is. This is kind of the turning point, though. Mm -hmm. This is... This is before everything really clicks because John Byrne and Chris Claremont, they do a lot of good stories for a while, but 
it takes them a couple years of working together before they hit it into full throttle and do the, you know, the classic Claremont burn stuff that hits right in a row with Proteus, Dark Phoenix, and Days of Future Past. Like they aren't there yet, but mm-hmm. they're getting there. Yeah, this is this is early uh, collaboration between the two of them and their uncanny run, but um, already we're seeing some really great stuff here. Um, this first issue is really fun because the X Men have been abducted by Mesmero and have been put into a traveling uh, carnival circus, <laughs> which gets explored by the recently, uh, I guess the Beast is an Avenger, but he has decided to um, to walk off the Avengers base for a while out of the mansion and uh, go hunt down the X-Men at, I guess Polaris asks him to do that. Is that, yes. am I reading that yes. right? There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of notes in this. Polaris asks him yeah. to go do that because he's busy because Havoc has disappeared into an issue of Marvel team up. Oh, right. Yeah. There's a lot of little like, read this story, read this story, read this story, but it's a really great introduction to the cast. Cause, um, you know, Beast doesn't know who the new X-Men are. <laughs> He's like, I guess that could be Storm. Uh, I guess that could be Wolverine. I, I, could that be Nightcrawler? Okay. Could I don't it, know it's them. Nice. I don't know them yeah, at all. No but no, it's, um, it's interesting. But what's more interesting is what happens next. <laughs> because oh, you mean you don't the, like Gene and, um, and Scott's carny accents? <laughs> I mean, those are also bad. Those are bad too. <laughs> Um, okay, so what happens next? Uh, Mesmero kind of gets beat up because Magneto shows up and he says, hey, thanks for getting all the X-Men. These are mine now. These are these are my <laughs> X-Men. Have you heard? I'm their villain. You're Mesmero. Yeah, you're just a stupid dork with a carnival. I'm going to take them to my secret volcano lair. Yeah. Oh, and, and I'm going to take them there. Part, yeah, and a flying trolley. It's so great. <laughs> I like how the the F-15 is following them and they're like, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And then he throws Mesmero out and they're like, we still don't believe it. <laughs> they just say to each other, we're, we're, we're going to need to drink tonight, right? Like, yeah. that's what's happening. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. So uh, fighting ensues. Um, we get a lot of really fun interactions here. Um you know, Wolverine is made of metal. Colossus is made of metal. And uh, Magneto is really uh, taking advantage of that. And then there's the creepy bit with Nanny. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can not... we talk about Nanny here? Well, yeah. Why don't you, why don't you start? Because I, I, have, I have an interesting thing I want to talk about here. But um, this is creepy. Yes. So to provide some context, after the Silver Age ended, and Magneto shows up in an issue of Defenders that I've never read and creates this ultimate <laughs> mutant who's never talked about again. Uh, that ultimate mutant turns on him and flies to the stars. But before he flies to the stars, he turns Magneto into a baby. So Chris Claremont yep. had to fix that real quick. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, so he does. And the X-Men fought Magneto once and he handily defeated them. So this is him coming back to say, but now I can really get my revenge. And then he locks them in this device in his volcano base in Antarctica with a robot named Nanny who treats them like babies. babies. (laughs) Because 
his device has mentally made it so that all the X-Men have the motor skills of like a six month old, which I'm a proud parent. Adam's a proud parent. Six month olds <laughs> don't know how to do anything. If they're crawling, they're doing great, honey. Like this is not just, oh, you're a kid. No, people underestimate or overestimate how much a six month old can do. They are very bad at stuff. I've got a two and a half year old running around right now. And let me tell you what, if I could revert his motor skills to six months after like 4 p.m., I would do it. Get a little uh, a little pause button on him. Yes. Jeez. Kids. No, I, I'm glad you brought all that up because I'm reading this and I was like, okay, I got to go back and just glance at 104 real quick because there's a little edit, editor's note about that. And I was like, oh my God, he's still mad about being turned into a baby. This is the same motivation for the most part that we get in X-Men 1, 2, and 3 with Jim Lee. <laughs> I'm still mad about them making me into a baby. This carries on for so long. It's like the motivation for the next hundred or so issues. To be fair, I would not be happy if I got turned into a baby. But do you know who <laughs> no, didn't turn him into a baby? Uh, the X-Men? The X-Men didn't. <laughs> that wasn't them. No. It he... was his own creation. It was a being made of pure hubris yep. and magneto is not thrilled about that we should mention that this is not the magneto that a lot of people have come to know and love at this point no this is well this is a bronze age comic this is very firmly silver age magneto mm -hmm. yeah he he doesn't really have much reason beyond i'm their villain so i'm gonna i'm gonna destroy them um and then we get this very cool culminating thing, uh, not to mention a fastball special with Beast throwing Nightcrawler by his tail, which I think they should do more often. Um, but the yeah, I don't think Kurt thinks they should do that more <laughs> often. He was not thrilled. <laughs> um, but then the, the volcano collapses in on itself, separating the team so that Beast and Phoenix think that the rest of the X-Men are dead. So this has a really great cliffhanger to it. Magneto thinks that he's killed the X-Men, which is a good setup for him uh, for the next whatever, however many issues until he comes back. And uh, I don't know. I thought this is a really fun story. It is fun. And it sets up a lot of stuff because, you know, Claremont was in an interesting position with these X-Men characters. He didn't want to completely destroy all the old X-Men characters and ruin all their creations, but he wanted to move forward with the characters that you know were his all new, all different, now on sale monthly X-Men. Yeah. That's I mean, that's why Jean Grey slowly gets brought back into the book, but people I think forget she's you know, she shows up in the story where she becomes Phoenix. Then she's taken off the table for a little bit then they go do the mcron crystal phoenix saga stuff right then it's pretty much right into this mm -hmm. into the magneto triumphant stuff where she's then taken off the table for another eight months or however long they're in the savage land right and then finally she comes back during proteus which leads into dark phoenix saga mm -hmm. at the same way beast comes back here he respects that beast is at that point, probably the most popular of the original five X-Men. Mm -hmm. He's the one that they still gave a book to. Like, he's the one who gets a solo series first. He's the one who joins the Avengers. Beast is the popular one. 
um, beast beast is great. Um, but I, I just think this is a really fun, like classic X-Men story. Uh, you've got a great cast. There's some good storm backstory when she's trying to pick her lock out of the, the nanny trap. Um, and it mm-hmm. just has some really cool stuff, uh, that sets up some really great storylines going forward with this team. So, all right. In terms of ranking, I got, yeah, go ahead. I got a couple of things I want to hit before I hit ranking. And right, you had just it. talked about one of them. Okay, go for it. I brought up how unarticulate six months olds are because specifically, no, Storm, you did not do that. <laughs> you were not able to work a bobby pin out of your hair and then lock pick with your teeth. Yeah. No, no, no. Like she says, even at six months, I had the coordination of a toddler. <laughs> I don't care. That's not how toddlers work either. Yeah. My son just figured out doorknobs. That's not how this works. I think you might be taking this a little too literally. Do you think Claremont had, does Claremont have kids? I have no idea. Nah, Claremont's friggin' young at the time. I'm sure he has kids now. I actually don't. I don't know. Let's find out. He has had two wives, Bonnie Wilford and Beth Flesher. Fleischer? I don't know. I can't pronounce things. Doesn't matter. Uh, and he has two children of indeterminate names. I bet I could find their names if I really wanted to research this, but I don't. Like, well, I don't guys, want to pry don't... into his personal life. I just, I'm just curious if he had a child at this point because we're, I think we're concentrating too much on this motor skills thing. <laughs> well, because Nanny's right. weird. Here's the thing: yeah. Nanny and the stuff that he does with, or they do with them being babies is friggin weird it's the weirdest thing it is just treating kids like babies and it's weird and i hate it and it's weird and i don't like it and it's weird it really only lasts for like a page so it's It's still weird because it it happens (laughs) for a week in x-men time yeah it's still gross all right so how good is this? What do you think? It's not the best that Claremont X-Men can be. It is not the worst either. It's a fun story, but it's a fun early X-Men story. Like it hasn't gotten to the point where it hasn't figured out everything that X-Men are going to be yet. Cause I really don't think that happens until Proteus. Mm-hmm. Proteus to me is the first like, oh, this is X-Men. We've got it. This is what's going to be the biggest thing in comics. I, I I just I don't know if we want to necessarily just compare it to when it hits its stride, because just taken on its own. It's pretty good comics. I mean, Burns doing a it's great pretty job. Pretty good comics. Yes, you know? I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. I think it's pretty solid. Um, I agree. I, it It's not when the, the two of them really hit that amazing apex and and have that amazing run but it's still pretty good stuff where i'm looking on the list just throwing Mm -hmm. some stuff together is uh near the in the 40s okay because i don't think this is better than number 37 x-men and alpha flight yeah i also probably hmm, this is probably better than number 50 which is x-factor 27 gifts which is a good story that i like I'm saying I'm just looking up at Pizza Hut and I think this is better than Pizza Hut. I can I can say this is better than Pizza Hut, but I don't know if this is better than 
X-Force 19 through 24, Assault on Grey Malkin. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I like that better. So is this is better it weird or that X-Force is getting a critical reevaluation in the last few years where people all. are saying, oh, wait, this is good, actually? <laughs> well, I think people, some people may have stopped reading that book after like 10 issues. So if you actually go back, there's some good stuff going on there. Um, there is, yeah. I think this is better than Messiah War. I think this is better than Messiah War too, And that right. would make it the new number 42 on our list. Nice. Magneto triumphant. Great. All right. So we said that we were kind of like tracing Magneto through the ages here a little bit. Um, where are we going next? This is not an expo, right? Well, we're going to skip over all his character development <laughs> under Claremont. <laughs> we're just going to say, forget talking about that. We are not talking about that time where he ran the school. <laughs> yeah, it's like that all. never. <laughs> nope. But here's what here's what I'm going to remind you yes. of, Adam. Have you seen the full-length feature film, X-Men First Class? I have. I sure have, yes. If you were going to, in your mind, pick up the best scene in that movie, what would you choose? I'm very curious oh, about God. this. I, I'll be honest. I've really only watched it once because I didn't like it so much. Oh, you should give it a yeah. try. It's not as good as everyone says it is, but it's, like, pretty good yeah, I mean, it had, it had some moments. Um uh, there's a scene where uh, Fassbender kind of goes Nazi hunter, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a part where he goes to a bar in like Argentina. Yes. yes. And talks to some German guys. And, you know, someone says, you know, what were you guys uh, back home? And one says, oh, I was a tailor. And the other guy says, well, I was a pig farmer. Mm. Magneto walks around and he says, Something to the effect of, well, I have no home because it was taken from me by tailors and pig farmers. <laughs> and then he murders those Nazis. <laughs> he murders them so good. Um, well, and I think that's this is a good time to bring up that that's a good version of Magneto that I think both of us enjoy very much is Magneto in Nazi hunter mode. And um, this is a weird place for this to take place for this to happen but what's this issue this issue is captain america 367 <laughs> it's the captain america acts of vengeance story or at least part of it yeah. but for some reason and probably because it's a good comic uh mark grunwald who has written more captain america than probably anyone and kieran dwyer decide uh we could talk more about acts of vengeance but it's kind of messed up that Magneto is working on the same thing as the Red Skull, right? Maybe Magneto should try and murder him. <laughs> well, and this is the the one weird thing about old man Logan that I never understood was why Magneto would ever agree to the uh, separation of the United States under Red Skull's uh, presidency. And this... I, this is the perfect antidote to that because he is not having it. It's wonderful. Well, he does his homework first. Yes. Magneto goes to Red Skull and says, hey, you're Red Skull, right? <laughs> yep. Any relationship to that Red Skull in the in the uh, in the World War Two? <laughs> yep. New body. But yep. He does clarify cool. that. He's like, this is my second body. But uh, yeah, that's me. Cool. You're going to die. 
because I was in Auschwitz. And then he chases Red Skull around until he catches him and instead of murdering him, locks him in a dark, empty, windowless room with like 12 gallons of water and says, Peace this out. is what you're going to be dealing with for a while. <laughs> yeah, I am the only one that knows where you are. I am going to close this door and you are going to think about how awful you are, which I don't think Red Skull is really capable of doing, but it, it's an interesting setup. Um, I just want to go back to the scene where he confronts Red Skull for the first time. Um, Red Skull actually extends his hand and says, let's let the past rest. We both have better things to do in the present. And he goes to shake his hand and Magneto literally reaches out and says, the devil with that Nazi scum. It's a great panel. It's worth it for that panel alone. It's very good. You know how I said at the top of the show, uh, the reason why Magneto works as a villain is because he, you know, goes too far. Uh, that's that's why Magneto oh, yeah. hunting Nazis works because while while Nazis, shockingly in the year of our Lord twenty eighteen, are a Ugh. now a going concern. For a while, they mostly weren't, or probably more accurately, publicly weren't. Uh, which means that you could have mm-hmm. them as the stock villain of stuff. Which larger socio political ramifications aside, and. I am not qualified to even discuss those. They work very well as stock villains that you don't care what what any of the heroes do. You're good with whatever happens to the Nazis. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Red Skull literally uh, traps Magneto in a bubble and then hiles Hitler as he goes down an elevator shaft. I mean... <laughs> Which is a funny panel. Like, again, larger sociopolitical things aside... It's a pretty good gag. But, you know, there's not going to be any sympathy for this character. Um, No. Yeah. And I I like that, you know, we've had a lot of discussion recently with Secret Empire about Hydra and, you know, were they, were they not, blah, 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 blah. Like, just put it to rest, guys. Like, these are Nazis and it's great to see Magneto hunting them. How's that? It is. There's also some Captain America stuff in this issue, but I don't even care. <laughs> like, yeah, this this issue doesn't. This issue pays very little lip service to the fact that it has Captain America in the title. No, um, and it's weird because originally we we thought about covering the next issue, but Ma- the Magneto that appears in that issue is actually just a robot, um, and. There are other robots in this issue, too, where um, when Magneto goes to hunt down Red Skull, um, Red Skull has created all of these robot duplicates of himself and is like, ha ha, you'll never figure it out. Well, Magneto has control over metal, so maybe don't send your metal Red Skull robots against Magneto. It was a bad plan. (laughs) And Magneto (laughs) points out, he's like, you're serious, right? Like... This is like the X-Men sending Colossus and Wolverine to fight me. It's not a good plan, guys. No, no. Like, and that is the... I, for five seconds. I really like that page because the, the Red Skull robots all try and shoot at him and he just smiles and like tears him to shreds. And then he's Red Skull's escaping on um, uh, these trolley tracks also made of metal that he begins to bend. It, it's just great. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a real fun, this is, uh, 
uh, one of the more fun acts of vengeance things that we've seen. Um, we've, we've covered, covered a lot of acts of vengeance. We really we? have. Yeah, I think I think we've I'm done. I'm trying at least to two think of this. what more we're going to be able to cover on acts of vengeance because it's like up. Uh, Spider-Man fights the Tri-Sentinel at one point, which is three Sentinels. <laughs> okay. And uh, so we got we got some more. Acts of we could probably do a full Axe of Vengeance story because there's a new Mutants Axe of Vengeance. There's an X-Factor Axe of Vengeance still. We could we could do more Axe of Vengeance. No, we've already covered the we've already covered the X-Factor Axe of Vengeance in Judgment War. I was going to say Judgment we War. did that. Right. Dang it. I forgot yeah, about Judgment War. That's all right. Um, but this this is a fun little thing. If if you like this side of, of Magneto, um, you're right that it, it does ignore a lot of his character development, but who cares? Um, it's it's a great, great scenario. I say that it ignores character development, but that's more just because 1990 Magneto was back in the side of, you know, the devils. There's a reason he's a villain in Acts of Vengeance. Mm-hmm. He was he was a quote unquote bad guy at the time. And that's fine. Magneto's allowed to be not a hero. You remember when Magneto was on the X-Men and he got a miniseries and it was called Magneto, not a hero? It's because Magneto's not a hero. <laughs> right on the cover. I mean, look, Scotty Young wrote that, and Scotty Young's really good oh at God. stuff. Love that. Oh, he finds Joseph in this. Oh, wait. Can we mention, before we rank this, can we mention what we found out about the first Magneto solo series in X-Men? Oh, yeah. This was something weird that, that you mentioned um, when we started talking about this issue. I had never even heard of this. So what did you discover? There's a, there's a Magneto series that's Joseph? Yeah, Magneto Volume 1 is a Joseph series. You know Joseph, the young, hot Magneto. <laughs> he's magneto for teens oh my gosh wait i want to bring joseph back as millennial magneto Ooh, yeah that'd be great that would be so bad oh my gosh i'm gonna text jordan right now he would not <laughs> want me to do that i don't have his number don't ask <laughs> he's already done asking answering questions today on this x-men monday commute so you can't you can't throw that at him can't or won't <laughs> Well, you can, but I would wait till tomorrow. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is an inconsequential thing, um, but I think it's fun. I mean, if you're a fan of Magneto, track it down. It's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, it's this is good comics, guys. It's not the best that this version of Magneto can be, but we'll get there. So in terms of ranking this, there, there's there's a lot of great Magneto stuff. There's a lot of very superfluous Captain America stuff that I do not care about in this issue um, that might weigh this down a little bit. Which detracts from it being a good X-Men yes. story. It's probably a very good Captain America story. It I could just, be. Mark Grunewald wrote a lot of Captain America. I'm not going to read it all. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to track this one down, you might as well read the next issue where it's Robot Magneto and, and Cap actually decapitates the Magneto robot. That's kind of fun. Um, you could do that. I didn't. I've never <laughs> read that, and I doubt I ever will. You don't need you to. You could. You don't need to, but it's kind of fun. Um so where are you looking on the list here, Zach? So I think this is very similar as far as my enjoyment of it, mm -hmm. but for different reasons, to Magneto Triumphant. Okay. I feel like, to me, it's around that area. Interesting. What are you thinking? Um, I probably would go lower than that. Um, just Okay. 
you know, I, I'm willing to hear you. I said around that area. We have we have the uncanny acts of vengeance at 55, which is the uh, Psylocke transformation arc. And I don't know this. This is great, but I don't know how X-Men it really feels. Um, it's a cool interaction between two supervillains that I feel like is necessary and very on brand for Magneto. Um, but I don't know if it really if, if it really edges up, you know what I mean? Like, I know you like exterminators. Is this better than exterminators? No, but I like where you've looked at this list okay. because right below it is house of M and X-Men number eight, which is the story about Unis, the untouchable, <laughs> not eating cake. You can't get his cake. This is probably better than the Unis, the untouchable story. Yeah, I think so. How do you feel about it compared to House of M? I mean, I think it's a little bit more sharp and on the nose. You know, it's a direct confrontation yes. that dials into who Magneto can be. That's a little bit on the fence between his Silver Age original concept and who he was in 1990. And so I think it's better. I think that's fair. I think comparing it to the uncanny X-Men acts of vengeance story where Psylocke becomes a uh, Japanese Psylocke, which may or may not be the current state of affairs come. I guess by the time you listen to this, we're recording before Wednesday. So <laughs> I do not we'll know what out. happened in mystery and Madripoor. Yeah, we're going to find out, but I doubt she is, which, you know, probably a good call. All things considered. Here's what I'll say. Okay. The acts of vengeance uncanny x-men story has some elements that are problematic and it's probably not my favorite uncanny x-men story but it does got some good good jim lee art and mm. i think that might that might be the uh contributing factor in my opinion how about you all right i i think that's a, a fair assessment i mean um that is more of a an x-men story that does set up a heck of a lot of continuity um whereas this is a, a really fun interaction um, between these two, two villains. So 56. This would be the new number 56 on our list. Cool. Captain America acts of vengeance 367 Magneto fights red skull and locks him in a big hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, all right. Well, you were saying that you believe that there is a peak Magneto. And I, I think that the, last one we're going to cover today is if not peak it's very very close so yeah. uh what's, what's the last thing we're talking about here so this is a very recent story actually mm -hmm. this is friend of the show cullen buns magneto yeah one two and three with art by the incomparable gabriel hernandez walter oh my god how good is this guy Dude is so good. Dude's so good. Dude's so good. Dude is so good. Have you seen You've read this Vision, stuff? right? Yeah, Have I you read, read Vision. Vision's oh, also so good. very good. Yeah. Uh, have you read his Doctor Strange stuff that he was doing with Donny Cates? No, I have not read that. Uh, it's I gotta check just, that out. It's not even all the way done on that app. But okay. go check that out because it's super good. Uh, what we're saying out. is the art in this is fantastic because Gabriel Hernandez Walta can draw emotive and terrifying images like no one else's business. Oh, I, I love that he has, there's something kind of sketchy 
mm-hmm. about his line quality, but there, even in the midst of that, even though that you know certain lines almost appear scribbly or or sketchy, there's a preciseness to everything that like it, it toes this line between sort of like very uh, aggressive and physical and very clean and pristine, it, it, depending on on the mood that he needs to get into in a given scene. Um, I absolutely love it. I, I think it's, it's so good and it fits the the tone of this book, which is we we were talking about this. There's some real horror elements here. It is. This is a horror book. This is such a horror book. Though one thing I want to talk about before we jump into the rest of the context, since we were hitting up that uh that art story is the colors yes. on this by Jordi Blair, oh. who's the first yes. colorist who got me to pay attention to colorists. Uh <laughs> It's friggin' good. It oh, yeah. hits all the notes that you need. It highlights things with the colors. It sets the mood with the colors. This These three issues are especially the first one, especially the first one, is a textbook to hand to people and say, this is why colors and colorists are incredibly important in comics. Maybe, maybe we should just provide some context because this is post- uh, Phoenix Five Magneto, Bendis Magneto, who it's, has walked away Bendis. from Scott. What's it, that? It's mid Bendis Magneto. Right, right. And Magneto's left uncanny um, and has gone off to kind of do his own thing. Um, he's a little depowered, right? He's not, he's not Silver Age doing all of his wacky, you know, I've got magic powers coming out of every pore of my body it's more of the there's a there's a scene in bendis's uncanny where he what did he do he he shoots up uh the villains in um uh in the one issue just by like having the bullets on him right and like this is the magneto that needs some paper clips or needs some nails that he found lying around and that's his ammunition what works about that mm-hmm. is this is magneto one having to improvise yes and this is magneto by improvising because he can't just take a eye beam and wrap it around you this is magneto improvising with i'm going to hurt you i am (laughs) going to make you scream in pain with a nail or a paper clip or whatever we have around that's small and metallic because that's what I have, and I'm going to use my powers to protect mutants. And he is, make no mistake, he is a horror movie villain in this. He is a monster in a slasher film. That's what he mm-hmm. is. And it is so good to see it like this. Like, Cullen Bunn is probably best known for his horror work. Or maybe not best known, but his best received work is his horror work and wow does magneto show that that's exactly where his skill sets lie (laughs) well there's a great set of pages at the end of uh the first issue where he walks into the police station and there's these inset paddle panels of magneto looking around for anything metal that he could use as a weapon and it you know there's an image of a stapler there's an image of a guy's keys like He's thinking of anything in the room that he can use to make his helmet or to, you know, basically rip the entire room to shreds. And it's just such a smart use 
of his power set and it makes the scene that much scarier yeah because it is this is a legitimately scary thing now the only Mm -hmm. the only thing that saves it from the reader having a sense of dread or anything like that is that you're on magneto's side because you're an x-men fan so you are inclined to believe that what he is doing is right it's the uh it's the same thing you get with the punisher for example the only way that the punisher can work in a superhero comic is that it is unambiguous that the punisher is the good guy like they may they may be both bad guys but the punisher is more good than the other guy like that's the Mm -hmm. only way he can work the moment you bring in moral ambiguity to the punisher and his victims is the moment you lose the Punisher as a character that the audience can root for because he does bad things. He is the antithesis of what superheroes are supposed to be. And it only, only, only works if everyone else is so much worse than him. And that's what we get in this Magneto story because you get unrepentant, you know, racist people who are not just I hate mutants or not just I'm scared of mutants. They want to murder all the mutants. Right. And create a a human utopia um, so that they're safe. And the way they're going about this is by implanting uh, sentinel technology into basically drifters um, that they're finding at a, at a tent encampment. Um, And so there's a little bit of a detective Magneto here too, that I like, you know, where he's trying to figure out what's going on and how things are happening. And that extends through this series really nicely. Um, But I I also appreciate that Bun, especially in the second issue, there's a flashback to his childhood um, that involves the Nazis killing one of his friends that is then mirrored in what Magneto is doing in the present. And he's very conscious of the fact that he's turned himself into the violent monster. Um, he, he knows what he is, but he also knows that he has to do what he has to do to accomplish his goals. Yeah. And that's something that bun in all of his X work as uneven as it's been, has been able to do with Magneto. He's been able to play that up even up until the latest run on X-Men blue, the latest arc, heck the latest issue Magneto is Mm -hmm. still struggling with the fact that he knows that he is not a hero. He's a monster and he sees himself as the monsters that terrorized him when he was younger. It makes you both sympathize with Magneto and understand, you know, no matter what, this is, this is how he views himself and how he sees himself. He knows that he knows that what he's done is horrible. He knows that there is no repentance for the actions that he's taken but he's willing to do it because he has an unbreaking resolve that that is what has to happen for his people. And if he has to become the villain, if he has to become the monster, then so be it. I like Magneto. He's very good guys. Like, are you, (laughs) if you aren't convinced that he's the best character in freaking like best villain in comics, you're out of your gourd. Um, and if you have never read Bun's Magneto, at the very least, read these first three issues. They're a nice, concise look at what Bun is capable of when he's firing on all cylinders. He has an A-plus artist here. Um, he's willing to, you know, 
do some little touches of flashbacks here and there to really sell the motivation of what he's doing in each of the scenes. And it, it's just really, really well done. So I would highly recommend this. When we were, uh, when we were selecting this story, we were trying to figure out what to be the cutoff point for it was. And we've actually had some debate even up until right before recording this episode, we were deciding whether to do these first three issues or the first eight issues, because Mm -hmm. the first three issues are the first, I guess, kind of self-contained story. But then the next, uh, you know, four or five after that, the next five after that are just, Magneto in kind of like a, you know, television com- or sense, just doing the next thing. So he takes out marauders and he gets himself mutant growth hormone and he fights in underground mutant like fighting ring. Like, yeah, he that's does, good. That is a good one. <laughs> he does all of this stuff. And yeah. I remember that very clearly because when we were setting up this episode and we said, we're going to read Bunce Magneto. And we said, well, where does it end? And I said, I think here, but here's the thing, Adam, I just know what's going to happen is I'm going to start reading these issues. And I'm going to read his whole series. Like I'm going to read all 21 <laughs> issues in the next few days. And I'll just tell you where I think it's probably a good stopping point. It's very good. Yeah, guys. I mean- and that, that's a compliment to Bun's writing is that, you know, even though there are some um, crossover things that happen over the course of the series, he keeps the through line. He keeps Magneto Magneto throughout everything that's thrown at him editorially. Um, and it's just really well done. You know, like that, I mentioned that idea of a detective style Magneto, that that kind of goes through the series a little bit with him um vacillating between that and and you know the punisher-esque quality that you were talking about before so um i think this is going to do pretty well on the list yeah guys this comic's friggin good like i'm looking i'm looking at this list right now and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out something i'm gonna throw out something and i want to hear your thoughts on this i think that this is better than the Dave Cockrum Nightcrawler series, which is at number 12 right now. I'm I'm looking in the same spot because I started at 25 and I just kept working myself up the list. Um, I would agree. I think that this is an amazing distillation of who this character is. And it is so successful in, in its savagery. It's so successful in what it's doing with the character. Um, I think that might be a a particularly good spot for it. I don't know that it is better than murder world um, with arcade, just in terms of it being an X-Men story, but I don't know. I I might even be convinced to, I don't think I could be convinced to put it into the Yeah. It's not going to beat the story where Colossus and Juggernaut fight in a bar. No, but I could be convinced to put it ahead of uh, murder world. My gut which is an unreliable source of information because it's just muscle and tissue, which as I say that out loud, so is my brain. So I don't know what that says about me as a human (laughs) that I'm putting one is more important than the other. You're mostly just water weight, you know? I, yes, I'm, (laughs) I'm just a, you know, guy with a spooky skeleton inside of him covered in meat, (laughs) but my gut is telling me that this is better than the murder world story only because that murder world story is very, very fun. It's enjoyable, but 
for me, it's not as resonant of what X-Men should be about. And I think mm. I think the Bun Magneto story gets that a little bit better. And this is this is the challenge of the list because we're at the point, like, I'd say the top seventeen stories on our list, which uh, that break is after life death, probably are a very like. If someone told me any of those stories were their favorite X Men story ever, I'd say okay, that tracks. I can't I can't argue yeah. with you. I don't think you're wrong. Well, I mean, objectively, I do because we have this list, but, but, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't say that they were wrong for liking that. We got some real good X-Men stories. So trying to figure out what's the best of the best is challenging. I, I'm 100% on board for putting it at 11. I mean, I feel like you're right. It's, it's getting the metaphor right. It's, um, it's just a down to earth, realistic, amazing story. So uh, I, I think that's where it should go. You know, when people talk about gritty comics and mature and real comics, and a lot of the times that just means it's a comic that Zack Snyder would have directed if it was a movie. I, I like some of Zack Snyder's stuff. I really liked 300 when I was a teenager. I never want to watch it again because I feel like I'm going to realize all the super problematic stuff that's in it. <laughs> but, okay. but like this is this gets gritty in realistic right because one it's a character that can work in that realm two mm -hmm. it's a plot that's both mature enough to say hey look we're going to deal with some actual stuff like the fact that people are just abducting these homeless drifter guys and no one no one cares mm -hmm. that's that's like that's like some heavy stuff yeah and it doesn't play around with it. It says, this is a messed up thing that's happening. And Magneto is the only one who's going to stop it by any means necessary. Also, it's a comic that has a scene that has, that made me incredibly uncomfortable looking at it when he shoots a paperclip up someone's arm. Oh, oh God, that, that whole thing. There's, there's a couple things like that. And the second issue, there's a thing with nails then the and then the third issue, there's the thing with the the paperclip. Oh my god, it oh. is such a good horror story. Um, so, all right, this is our new number eleven. This is our new number eleven. Cullen Bunn's Magneto one, two, and three. Nice and wow, guys, Magneto's good. <laughs> Magneto yeah. did a very good job on this list of hundred and thirty eight X Men stories. Woohoo! Yeah, so that's where we're at. Uh, this was All a right. good episode. I'm happy with this. Are you happy with this, yeah. Adam? Oh, Magneto is so much fun to talk about. So it's it's cool. This is this is a really good uh, fun episode. Do you know who else I think is probably happy about it? Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, Rob from Patreon. I probably should have added that in there earlier. I'm sorry. I left That's you okay. on the hook. I uh, know. Uh, Rob from Patreon. He went over to Patreon.com/slash Xavier Files and tossed in like two bucks over to the Xavier Files Media Empire. I don't know how much he actually, he may be at a higher level and you can be at a higher level too. It's just that at the $2 level, you get to put in a suggestion for, hey, I'd like you guys to talk about this story, please. And then we will. Yeah. And it'll be one of the stories we talk about. And then we'll craft a whole episode around it where we take a story that you want to talk about and using the vast, vast compendium of X-Men knowledge that we possess, we'll find some stuff that match with it. 
and it it'll be good or bad who knows maybe you've never <laughs> even heard about these stories and it's something you should try out yeah that's the glory of the show it is it is why we exist <laughs> <laughs> but no no uh so thank you for that now adam i've heard that you like to spend time on what magneto would call the internet because he's a learned <laughs> man and why would he call it anything else but if if someone wanted to track you down for you know murderous or otherwise reasons how could they do that oh sweet lord please don't don't uh, <laughs> don't kill me folks paper clips or otherwise uh if you guys want to find me on twitter i'm at arthur stacy um i didn't realize this was how the schedule was going to work out but um i started last week with the cover of vision jubes four which is called attack on the mansion um and the cover came out last week. The first page comes out today on adamrec.tumblr.com and xavierfiles.com. So uh, make sure you're checking that out. If you still want a copy of um, the search for Bish and Jubes, you can go to adamrec.bigcartel.com and I will print and ship one to you for just $1. Yeah, and let me let me put in this pitch here because Adam has not. Uh, I've gotten to read a handful of the pages for this upcoming story on vision jubes and i say this as someone who is an x-men critic and not necessarily just a co-host of a podcast of the guy who makes it search or vision jubes attack on the mansion is very good comics like you guys need to check this thing out because the pacing is fantastic the art is real good and it's very exciting. Thank you, Zach. You, you just, you gotta get on this. <laughs> well, I gotta get on finishing it. So <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Work. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've kind of had my expectations sky high, so you better not blow it. Out. Oh no, no. I'm definitely sticking the landing on this one. Um, where can people find you, Zach? Uh, everyone can find everything that I do on XavierFiles.com. That's where we have all these episodes of the podcast that I do with Adam that you're currently listening to. So you're probably aware of how to access that side of things. Fair enough. Uh, I also have some articles, some X-Men news, just a bunch of stuff. Go check it out. Or you can go on twitter.com slash Xavier Files at Xavier Files on Twitter. And that's where I tweet about tweeting stuff about <laughs> X-Men or indie alt rock bands that i'm listening to right now because me without you just put out new stuff and they are legit and go check out their new untitled ep called untitled uh because <laughs> bethlehem west virginia has made me cry several times because it has this build-up that's just so wow. good guys go listen wow. to that song it's i didn't so realize good. we're doing record reviews now this is good I gotta... <laughs> we aren't doing record re i mean we can do record reviews it's our show we can do whatever we want uh the whole thing it's an ep uh, filled with songs that didn't tonally make the cut on their new album that isn't out yet. And there's some of them that are very powerful like that in city on the plains. Uh, and then some of them that I'm not as hot on, but it's still an excellent release and the single for their new album, which is called Julia or Holy to the Lord on the bells of horses is also fantastic. So this has been Zach talks about me without you. It's the new <laughs> sub podcast I'm starting that has very little crossover with X-Men, except for the fact that Matthew Rosenberg 
once named all the issues in a miniseries he wrote for Marvel after Me Without You songs, and that was very choice. This is the sequel to Zach's Hot Take Corner and uh, Adam's 90, 90s movie review corner. <laughs> it's, uh, we didn't talk about any 90s movies. That's disappointing. That's okay. well, we need to give people the content they crave, Adam. Sorry. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get it in a future episode, I promise. Well, next week... We are probably talking about something that is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, just like Magneto, and that is, of course, the Phoenix. Yeah. We're not talking about Dark Phoenix Saga. We're not talking about Dark Phoenix Saga. Don't no, no good, one get excited. We are talking good about disclaimer. it. I, as I said that, I was like, wait, no, people are going <laughs> to think we're talking about Dark Phoenix. No, for some reason, we're just going to leave that one sitting yes. out there uh because we were we were bold enough to go with god loves man kills is the first story we talk about <laughs> but now that we've done this for a year we're like oh we should probably give dark phoenix saga a little bit no of one's no one's requested and really i mean no we were said did i have i said on air we were going to save it for the movie that may come out someday <laughs> yeah which is like delayed by how many years anyway all right. It's coming out in February. Valentine's Day, because I have to convince That's my nice. wife that we go That's watch nice. it. All right, so all Phoenix next episode. Yeah, unless unless we get a special guest coming in yes. that I don't foresee happening in that time frame, but might. It, the next regular episode we're going to do is an all Phoenix power hour. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good episode title. I'm going to mark that down. <laughs> but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it! Mystique, not Magneto.